Hey everyone, welcome to this episode. So today I speak with Uma on the topics of Hallyu, and for anyone who doesn't know what that is, that just refers to the Korean wave, which is just a wave of Korean media permeating the West and other places abroad. And I've decided to split this podcast into two sections. Firstly, it's just a little too long. It altogether goes for an hour and 45 minutes. And secondly, there's a natural split-off point in the podcast where we move topics from topic one to topic two. So this is just part one, and later, part two will be released very soon after. So in part one, we look at Hallyu as a total force. Um, I was more interested in the entire movement than a specific band or a specific person, and we look at it beyond just an artistic movement because, obviously, it's art. Right, the dramas, the music, the fashion, that's all artistic. However, there's also a deeply political side to this movement. And if anyone has ever listened to any of my other podcasts, I always say this, art is political, and it's always been political. So I'll give you one example, which I actually expand on later in this podcast, but the South Korean government actually play K-pop songs on the border with North Korea. And you have to think about that. Why would they do that? Because... By doing so, K-pop is now political. In the second podcast, which hasn't been released yet, we look at the more personal effects of Hallyu, and in particular, fetishization on me and Uma. And we look at how ideas of dating or art or beauty have been changed by this movement as well. So I think both are deeply interesting, and I hope you join me for both. Thank you very much. What's up, Uma? Hi. <laughs> Welcome to Safety Last. Thank you for coming and appearing and doing this. Really appreciate it. Thank you for inviting me. I'm really excited. Yes. Um, so basically, I messaged you with the idea of speaking about something that I've thought about for a while. So this topic is something that when I first started doing podcasting, this is one of the topics that I really wanted to cover. And I said this previously which was, I felt like I was blindsided by this. And maybe that's just because I wasn't really paying attention to Korea, apart from maybe you could say the last three, four years. But really before that, I had no idea. And then all of a sudden, I hear this word, Hallyu. So that's basically, you know, the reason why I've got you on. But before we start with that, before we start with Hallyu and the Korean wave and all that stuff, uh, Uma. You are from Bosnia, Bosnia Herzegovina. Is that correct? Yeah, I'm from Sarajevo, Bosnia and Herzegovina. That's in the Balkans. <laughs> I've also just realized I'm, I mispronounced that. It's uh, Gov- Govina. Is that correct? Yeah, it's Bosnia. I think you pronounced it well, actually. Oh. You just oh. didn't say the and, Bosnia and Herzegovina. A lot of people uh-huh. think it's two countries, but it's one. Mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Um, well, can I ask just to find out a little bit about yourself. How did you get into this? Because when I think of K-pop, I think of East Asia, obviously. And then I think of usually 
Anglo or Western Europe. And very rarely, and maybe this is a blind spot for me, do I ever think of Eastern Europe. So how did you get into this topic at all? Uh, yeah, so um, I am actually a researcher and a philosopher. So at my university, I've been studying all kinds of philosophy. So you do Western and you do Eastern, basically. Mm -hmm. And when you approach these things, you sort of don't know what you're going to get into. And then when I got into everything, I realized that Eastern philosophy actually fits me and my culture much better than the Western. Mm. And a lot of people don't know what's it like in the Balkans, actually, but we have a lot of Eastern influences. Really? And, um, could, could you could yeah. you elaborate on that? Because see, this is catching me completely off guard. And and where did these Eastern influences come from? Yeah, so we. Uh, we're known for being under a lot of empires throughout the history. Mm -hmm. And one of them was the Ottoman Empire. And that was the time when people traveled a lot, really. And there was mm -hmm. a lot of um, Eastern philosophies, Islam, also uh, like Iranian. Um, I don't know what exact religions like Sikh, Hare Krishna, mm -hmm. a lot of Hinduist influence came into my country. Mm -hmm. And it sort of got... Um, unnoticeably into the you know tissue of the culture so when we look at western philosophy sometimes you know philosophers from bosnia and herzegovina they might feel like it doesn't fit them well it's very strict it relies you know on analytical and logical mm -hmm. approaches while eastern just like ours sort of goes through this filter of mix of spirituality and philosophy and language and things like that. So um, when I got into philosophy, I started researching into that more. And I realized that's going to be definitely the path that I take, you know, mm. like academically, as well as personally, sort of my interests, academical interests are related to what I like in real life. And mm. I think that's the way it should be. So um, when I got into Eastern philosophies, I started um, researching all kinds of East Asian philosophies, Hinduism, Buddhism, shintoism and things like that and then i got to know korea that's the first time i really got to know the culture mm -hmm. and what year was that yeah that was maybe 2014 15 mm -hmm. and at the same time my friend introduced me to k-pop which i thought was a weird coincidence but it you know fit me really well mm -hmm. and that's how i got into the whole story and i started focusing solely on you know, these things in my research and in my personal life and also like artistic things that I dabbled in. So, mm -hmm. yeah. Okay. Um, can I just elaborate on a few things you said, because you threw quite a lot um, at me. Yeah. Uh, so you said that there was these Eastern influences in the Balkans, but if we were to look at uh, Eastern influences in terms of modern Eastern influences, Obviously, Hallyu or the Korean wave has impacted East Asia, like greatly impacted East Asia and Southeast Asia, like tremendously. And its influences in the West are, you know, growing more and more day by day. Is there a big um, community or is there K-pop or Korean or Japanese or Chinese influences in the Balkans in terms of like modern day influences? Yeah, so right now, there is a huge influence, especially when it comes to the young people. Mm -hmm. There are huge fan bases of K-pop and K-dramas here. So um, 
definitely it's been growing, but today I would say that most of the youth here, the majority of people from maybe 10 to 25 have listened to K-pop or they're actual fans of it. So there are very few people that don't know about it and there are a lot of people that love it. So it's been growing for the past 10 years maybe, but now it's here, just like I think in the rest of the world. And and do you see this in your area? So do you see like new Korean restaurants popping up or stores that sell Korean makeup popping up? Yeah, so we got um, a lot of Korean makeup coming in, a lot. And then also we have uh, screenings of all kinds of K-pop content. We had like this BTS premiere. There was a film maybe two years ago. Mm-hmm. And it was a chaos. It was literally like if you got entire city of youth coming into the theater and they were screaming and chanting and things like that, you wouldn't mm-hmm. really think that would happen in like a small country or such a small country where we have all kinds of influences, but everyone got hooked on it. So now there are a lot of teens just chanting and uh, wearing like um, what's called merch and things like that in the streets. <laughs> so I think now there we, you can see it when you walk through Sarajevo and when you meet young people, you can see the influences that, and they're there definitely. Wow, that's that's really interesting. Um, as I said before, this is probably a blind spot of mine where I, because uh, I guess my ancestry comes from East Asia and a, a lot of my family comes from East Asia. I can obviously see the influences there. Um, on the other hand, because I live in Australia, which is, I guess, considered or has links with Britain and that's considered Western Europe, that's usually where my, my eyes go. But to hear that there is such an influence in your area with k-pop that honestly blows my mind like completely um you said that you lived in seoul for a bit so could you tell me what it was like why you went over and what was the experiences like in general yeah so for me i went with a friend and we went to uh, research for a thesis and also do sort of like an artistic documentary thing of us traveling to Seoul, me and my friend of going around meeting the culture and sort of connecting the dots between the pop culture and the historical philosophical aspects. But -hmm. through the thing, we sort of stopped doing the documentary thing and just focus on the research because we got really, you know, into everything. And we sort of forgot about the K-pop too, honestly. After some time there, (laughs) we just started focusing on the philosophy. But, you know, it's very hard to forget it when you're there because it's everywhere (laughs) also. So, you know, it's just a part of the culture. So you see it on every corner. And the experience, I think it was one of the best experiences in my life, honestly. I felt like there was a huge connection of my culture and Korean culture. And even when I came back to Bosnia, a lot of people said, it's insane what what do these two countries have in common and things like that so i said like bosnia has two countries bordering it croatia and serbia Mm -hmm. and they're a bit bigger and like ranking better sometimes economically but um we're trying really hard to like step up and also there was conflict and things like that and while researching the korean history uh, i realized that korea was sort of the bosnia 
of the Asia because it has China and Japan. And I had a lot of thoughts, you know, about this entire thing, but definitely the experience was amazing. And I learned more than I learned in my life ever while I lived there. So, yeah. And before we go to the how you, you know, I can't help myself when you bring up philosophy and culture like that. I just can't help myself. Um, you said that Bosnia and Herzegovina have a lot of influence. Sorry, uh, do you say cultural influences or philosophical influences that are similar to Korea? Does that are you referring to Confucianism, or are you talking strictly historical similarities? Yeah, so I'm talking when I talk about culture. And philosophy, I don't necessarily mean specific spiritual or historical movements. I think more in terms of similarities in entire like ideological and spiritual perception of the world. So when you look at Western philosophy, it has very uh, uh, it has an, an analytic approach. It focuses on an analytic philosophy and logic mm-hmm. and. It has influenced the culture a lot. And even when you make connections to pop culture now, you can see, you can go back to Aristotle and, you know, like the aesthetics that he (laughs) brought up. And Mm -hmm. then when you go into Eastern philosophy, the entire aesthetic world and the world of values and things like that, it's different and it comes from different, it stems from different movements. So I think just in terms of those similarities of where the philosophy leans towards, that's where we're similar because um, we have missed that part of history, you know, like the ancient Greeks, the establishment of those ideas, ideologies and values that a lot of the Western culture now has, you know, like Anglo-Saxon culture. So Mm. that's what I think it's, it's very speculative and, you know, very sublime when I talk about it. It's not very specific. It's not like we have been, you know, Buddhist for 50 years in our history. It's not necessarily that. It's more like these connections that are cultural, aesthetical, and value-based. Okay, cool. Well, let's move on to how you. So I'll just throw why I became interested in this topic, apart from the fact that to me, uh, and I said this before, maybe I just wasn't focusing on Korea, but it really did catch me off guard how big this movement, this trend became. I'll give you a, a few experiences of how I first came into contact with K-pop, uh, and I'd love to hear uh, yours as well. But I, I think you said your friend introduced it to you. I think this was 2013 or 2012 when Gunnam Style became very popular. Was it popular in uh, your area? Yeah, I think it was popular all over the world. Yeah, it it I don't think it was a good song. And even today I don't think it's it was just weird and quirky and the guy had a weird dance style, but it is not. Yeah, I'm not here to, you know, to throw, you know, to throw shade at anyone, but uh I think my first contact with this was across my house was a park. Now, this park because it's quite a large park throws Christmas festivals. So on the 24th or 23rd of December, during the day, they'll have like a little carnival, a little event. Everyone comes together, eats, you know, talks, meets up, blah, 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 all that good stuff. And I was in my bedroom, not really that excited to go over. And then out of nowhere, I hear 
the lyrics to Gundam Star being sung. Now, the reason why this is weird is because I know the band, or as in I've seen posters of the band that they were trying to promote beforehand, and none of them were Korean, and none of them were Asian. So I remember thinking like, no way. So I, you know, I put on my clothes, put on my jumper, crossed the street, and I, and I went to the park, and I saw this like middle-aged white dude who I almost guarantee had no idea what he was singing, but he was singing all the lyrics to Gunnam Style like perfectly. So he had just like sat down in his bedroom and just memorized the lyrics nonstop to like sing it in front of like these 12-year-olds who were going crazy. And that was really my first encounter of K-pop. Um, and then slowly, as it became more popular, you, hear, you see other influences such as, um, if if I'm correct, I think BTS got selected as the United Nations ambassador from memory. And other things that we we're talking about, how like Korean words have like entered into the uh, into the English dictionary. So these other uh influences these other events you know when i saw them i was like wow this is actually a movement so yeah uh what, what's your response to that and, and apart from your friend introducing k-pop to you what was like the first time you saw it amongst the general youth yeah so um for me it was not necessarily noticing it in my country like noticing it on the street and things like that. We were a bit late to actually introduce K-pop to supermarkets and things like that, but it's happening now. For me, it was first, it was my friend and she showed me a video of Super Junior. It was, it is a K-pop band. Mm -hmm. And it was really weird to me at first because I didn't necessarily know what kind of pop culture was that. It's not, you know, it was not weird for me that it was Asian or anything like that because I we watched a lot of movies, even listened to some music, you know, like jazz artists and things like that. But for me, the entire concept was really strange. Like there's 12, I think, guys in Super Junior and they're all dancing and singing. And it's like a strict choreography and things like that. So it was it was really weird to me and at first i was like yeah okay you're showing me something it's probably like something that you like for a bit and then you're gonna move on but then uh i went back to that video and then i started like looking into more videos and just went into this you know like loophole mm. <laughs> where i started researching and researching and watching videos and music and things like that and for me also I realized it was much more than just like a music video or a band it started you know like there were there were a lot of words that got thrown at me they're you know focused on the fan base and things like that so I started learning all these new words this vocabulary this entire world of things what mm -hmm. things mean to someone and um, I realized it was sort of a subculture that I I didn't want to get into it, but I did. And then I started sort of becoming a fan of other, you know, musicians and bands myself, not in the mm -hmm. Super Junior, but others. And then I started noticing things happening around me as well. So I think first it was me and my friend. I didn't really look around to see what was happening. I was just doing my own thing. And then when I became a fan, 
I started noticing that other people were fans too. So mm. yeah, for me, that was it. And for I just want to mention for the Gangnam style, I didn't necessarily think of it as K-pop when I first looked at it, you know, and afterwards even, I thought of it as like, um, as a separate trend. Now I connected to the entire growth of, you know, Korean mm. culture and K-pop culture. But for me, it was like, oh yeah, YouTube was, you know, like big and the YouTube trends were big then. So um, I was like, yeah, it's just something that's trending. There can be a lot of like funny things that are trending. But afterwards, I realized that it was a part of something that was growing and becoming bigger and bigger. Actually, now you bring that up. I remember I've actually had contact with K-pop even before the Gundam star. Uh, I I knew this person from my high school who was obsessed with um, girl, girls, ju- no, no, girl girls generation. generation. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Um, and he was just obsessed. And I remember him just like showing me like photos of, I, I don't know. I don't really know the names, but show me the photos of the, the girls in that band just all the time, which is a good segue to my other question. Uh, you said with super junior, there were 12 members. Why are there so many members? Uh, for me, my immediate reaction is like, is that just Asian collectivism or is it a way to sell more merchandise because everyone can have a favorite character? So wh- why are there so many more people in these bands compared to Western bands? <laughs> I really love this. <laughs> the fact that there are so many of them, it is weird at first, but then you sort of realize, I think a lot of these things that you said are true at the same time. You know, I think there's a lot of, you know, there's a technological aspect like this, you know, focus on creating the perfect unit, you know, and you have to have different elements to create sort of like a perfect band. And as for boy bands, I think they just sort of picked it up from the Western culture from like the 90s and then added more to it with like exo and all these super junior they all have a lot of members there's even like exo has like a, I, I don't know how to say it, like departments or there's xol exo something else so you have this huge unit of members and then they sort of get into these categories when where they sometimes perform separately so i think it's definitely because you know you like to have a lot of members so you can choose like you know Bratz dolls we all like mm. to choose one that we like who are you or who do you like most and things like that but also i think it's because of the entire aesthetic moment that's happening there you can't really achieve what you want to achieve without a lot of members because it's so focused on choreography and like this universe building you can't really do it with three members i mean you Mm. can there are bands there are a lot of bands that actually do have three members but it's a different strategy from those that have a lot of them you know so i think it's a lot of elements put together and it's really weird to see but um i think it's working well there's a reason for it Mm. that's really interesting i watched this youtube video uh, ages ago and it was talking about Akira Kurosawa one of the or arguably the greatest Japanese uh, film director of all time and one thing that this video essay said Kurosawa did really well was he was able to capture 
the intensity of a moment through movement. And one of his secrets was to not just have one person performing an action, have like everyone on screen turn a certain way or stand at the same time. And just by the sheer amount of people, you create so much energy and so much movement. And that's probably what you're talking about when you say, if you have one person doing a backflip, that's cool. But if you have 15 people doing it at once, it's like overwhelming. It's just so stimulating. And that's probably what you're talking about when you say like EXO has you yeah, know, 15 definitely. members. Mm. Um, let's let's bring it back to uh, some of the basics. Where What does Hallyu actually mean? And where did this term come from? Yeah, so Hallyu means Korean wave. <laughs> and it comes from Chinese. And I think they coined it when Korean culture started being exported to China because it actually started in Asia first. So Korea started exporting to China and Japan and then started spreading from Asia towards the rest of the world. So that's, I think, why it took a bit for everyone else to catch up. Mm-hmm. And it's just, it's a word that sort of signifies the influence of Korean culture, especially on youth and the pop culture. And the wave that came, I think, by the end of the 90s, they started doing it. And then it sort of grew. And um, yeah, that's what it means, the Korean wave. So it it, uh, it 100% translates to like Korean wave or wave of Korea or something like that. 100%. Yeah, wave of Korea, uh, Korean wave. Interesting. I guess I was speaking about my, my experiences before I throw the question over to you, uh, which is how has the how you affected the rest of Asia. Um, I know I've got a few friends who are Filipino and and I know just from my conversations with them, uh, the Korean wave or Hallyu is super, super popular in Korea. And I was reading some article about how, um, what's it called? Crash Landing on You was one of the most watched TV shows of all time um, in Philippines. And just even if we go a little closer to Korea, uh, sometimes when I look at a Chinese celebrity I'll like think is are they Chinese or are they just or are they Korean? Because so <laughs> much of this aesthetic has actually been almost co-opted by surrounding countries. So like if you know if you're Japanese and I guess you could pass off as Korean, uh, a lot of these celebrities are now cutting their hair in a certain way or styling themselves with certain uh, fashion, and a lot of this comes back to Korea. So yeah, I, I mean apart from you know celebrities wanting to look like. Uh, a, uh, a very popular Korean man or woman who, what, what else and how else has how you affected the rest of Asia? Yeah, for me, um, I have, I can't really talk about that, you know, like from a personal subjective point of view, because I haven't really lived or been there or talked to people who are from there. So they can tell me, you know, what it means to them. I just know that, uh, they're the first ones that started being exported to. So actually, well, none of us knew anything about K-pop. There were a lot of bands like the the first generation and the second generation of K-pop, uh, you know, playing huge shows in Japan and China. Mm. So I definitely know that Korea started building like a trademark brand, sort of, that when they started exporting it around, uh, it became a subculture and a pop culture trend. So everyone will definitely get on board. You know, there are even like Western bands 
that are trying to emulate the K-pop groups now. Really? Such as, yeah. do you know any of their names? Or anything about them? I don't, I don't specifically know names. Uh, there are Western people that are moving to Korea and starting like bands that are basically full of maybe white Americans or Western people who are like a K-pop group. And there's been like, I even read an article about that, like this discussion about whether K-pop is actually something that's related to Korean culture, or is it like um, to, like a Korea is a country in nationality, or is it something that is has become such a subculture and such like an ideological sort of view and perspective that um, now I think everyone can emulate it. It doesn't really have to be Koreans anymore, you know, and it's really funny to me, you know, so I mm. think all around the world now people are just sort of doing the same thing or getting inspired from it, like most like pop culture trends. Mm. So, yeah, I think the influence is huge now and you'll see a lot of things that look like K-pop or sound like K-pop, but are not Korean at all. Mm. So, yeah, that's that's really interesting. Um I'll give you an experience from one of my friends. He is a teacher and he was a music teacher and he was te teaching this music class. Um, for an assignment, they had to write lyrics or write something or change the song that they were given. And the song they were given was Dynamite by BTS. And as soon my friend who has no idea what this is, he had the uh, assessment notification in his hand. And he's like, um, you have to change dynamite <laughs> obviously having no idea what it is and then apparently the kids just start humming the song and it was just like so taken aback he's like what is this song that i just don't know um and you know when you're talking about like what is k-pop does the k mean that it's a korean product i think maybe not now but in five to ten years it's going to reach a stage of critical mass where it becomes like michael jackson where he's so universal that you have people in Tunisia dancing to Michael Jackson and you have people in the Congo doing the same thing. And if you do the moonwalk in France, everyone knows what that is. And I think you're getting to a stage where it can't really just be, you know, the K might be there for aesthetics and just because of tradition, but it's becoming so widely consumed that it's hard to just say, you know, Michael Jackson is just American. No, no one outside America can enjoy it. Yeah, so I think it's definitely going to be like that <laughs> because now we're seeing that it's becoming much more, you know, subcultural. It's becoming a part of pop culture. And when something gets into that sphere of the world, it sort of stops being related to the specifics around it. It just starts being a huge thing. And um, I think also, you know, a lot of people are trying to emulate k-pop and they're actually succeeding in it because it's not focused on korean culture specifically but it has you know a lot of influence drawn from it it's like a, it's a weird it's a really weird thing actually when you think about k-pop you know like from the aesthetic point of view when you think about it from a philosophical point of view you sort of realize that there are elements to it that are drawn from Korean culture and it couldn't have come from anywhere else, but it's going to be easily emulated by a lot of people all around the world. So there are things uh, that are slowly, you know, like 
putting this Korean cultural, you know, effect in all of us. So when you see Korean customs afterwards, it seems much more usual to you. You know, it's, Mm. it's really weird. It's like, it's like a messenger that's giving you a certain message, but there is like implications, there's underlying messages. There's a lot of cultural influence that we don't see. And the entire thing is very pop oriented. You know, you would say, okay, in a, in 10 years, everything, everyone's going to be doing K-pop and it's not going to necessarily be related to Korea, but it will be still very much related to Korea because there are a lot of things that, you know, it implicates. There's like the term, I don't know if you heard of it, soft power. Yeah, usually, I was actually about to bring that up. Yeah, it's usually related to K-pop and the entire, you know, industry because it's much more than just, you know, like music, aesthetics, you know, K-dramas and things like that. I even heard like stories and read articles about K-pop being blasted at huge speakers at the border between South and North Korea. Mm, mm, 100%. And Kim Jong-un is like banned like certain K-pop songs. And I heard that he was a big fan of Irene from Red Velvet. So there's this political aspect, which is which is bizarre, by the way. But there's this real political aspect that you mentioned, and uh, you know, just before I let, I let you continue, there was a dispute with China and Korea over THAAD missiles, which I'm not 100 percent sure what they do, but I'm pretty sure they're like anti missile or they're like a surveillance system. Which I'm not really sure what happened, but apparently it encroached on Chinese land. Who knows? But when that happened, China said, "Okay, we're going to stop the flow of." k-pop and k stuff k drama k everything and in that sense it's a political it's an economic thing and there are real consequences to it yeah it's a product but it's also a tool you know and then you would ask yourself that they were doing you know the blasting of the music and things like that you would ask yourself like what is it doing you know it's not doing anything it's not hurting anyone but uh, there are different ideologies and viewpoints in the world. And then when you think when this music is being blasted, what it what it's being put out, it might not necessarily be what another culture is fine with, you know. Mm. So when you, you know, play that music, you know, when you get it somewhere and things like that, you know, it's not OK for someone. It is OK for someone. So it's really interesting how it's, you know, being used like, and I'm not saying this, this sounds a little really weird, but it's not indoctrination method, but it's actually something that, you know, it's a very strong carrier of political and cultural influence. So that's why it's problematic, you know, anyone would mm. say like, but it's just music, it's just pop music, but it has strong it carries strong things, you know, so it's very powerful. It's much more, that's why it's called soft power. <laughs> mm, absolutely. And I, I completely agree with what you're saying. Like there is implicit messages to art and, you know, just so that we're not singling out the Koreans, I would apply this to everything. I don't know. I'll pick a random example. Like 2000 years ago, a lot of Asian countries started writing in Chinese characters like that is, and that carries inevitably some sort of political influence some sort of cultural influence. And we could say the same thing with jeans and t-shirts and Mickey Mouse and American songs and even, you know, European stories like Snow White and how, you know, this like girl is, you know, like, you know, she's Snow White and she's so pure. Like these ideas 
of what is purity, what is good, what is evil, have a cultural and, you know, sometimes a political message to it. So I completely agree with you. Like, yes, you can enjoy K-dramas and stuff as just a product, but anytime any artist or any culture produces something, it's inevitably loaded with certain ideas. If we're talking about uh, America, so even if America, you know, its strength isn't as high and it's not as powerful, it still does have quite a lot of soft power. And that, that you know, you can see that even in K-pop where a lot of bands have English names or English song titles or use English words in their music. Yeah, I mean, America has been doing it for years and it's not like it's not as strong. It's much, much stronger. And it's been happening for a long, long time. Even the fact that a lot of us in different countries consider American pop music and pop culture as something like mainstream and normal. Mm. It's happened, you know, we don't know how it happened. It sort of like got un- under our skin throughout the years. So America has been like the largest cultural exporter. And we don't necessarily see it because they're doing it so well you know now we think Mm, absolutely it doesn't export culture it's just you know random things it doesn't carry any values and things like that but it does actually you know like the i'm not gonna go you know like start philosophizing about this but the entire growth of capitalist mindsets have it's all been exported from america the entire idea of you know freedom liberalism uh you know, all the things that are right now in the world, you know, considered mainstream, they're all from American culture. And they're not just from political and economical influences. They really do come from pop culture. So, you know, mm. the fact that we consider Michael Jackson or, I don't know, Beyonce as like staple artists, like normal mainstream world artists it's really weird. Now, it's normal when you look at it at first, but then you think about it and you're like, why are all the artists American? You know, like the question, like why all the superheroes come from America and why? Yeah, Captain America, you know, Batman, they all live in, they all live right next to each other in the same city for some reason. They all choose to migrate there. Yeah, you know, like the end of the world always starts in America and things like that. So I even, I don't know how... um open this podcast is but like i even have friends in bosnia it's weird for them to get romantic or sexual in bosnian because Mm. they start speaking in english you know when they want to do something want to flirt and things like that because they've Mm. been so accustomed to american movies and things like that where things are said in english that it's really weird and raw and disgusting to them to say it in bosnian wow that is so bizarre yeah it's really weird you know like you feel strange talking in your own language so you start speaking in like this american accent like yeah "Yeah, baby come here and things like that i'm like what (laughs) what are you doing you're literal you are two bosnians and you're speaking in english but they're doing it because (laughs) it's so normal for them that everything happens in english in american english in this kind of context Mm. so when we get back to korea you know I'm really actually happy that the Korean wave is happening. I'm, you know, ecstatic about it because there's sort of, there's a growing influence that is different and it's coming from a different culture and a different country. So it's really important that we can 
everyone's gonna try to influence us, but it's really important that we get to choose who influences us and what culture do we get our inspiration and ideas from, you know? So maybe in like 20 years, people in small countries will speak in Korean when they flirt or something like that. Mm, yeah, that you know, that's such an interesting concept. Um, and, and I even think the fact that K-pop has a K in front of it, like you can see that it hasn't reached global cultural hegemony status because it still has K in front of it. But when you think about Michael Jackson, it's just pop music. There is no national label in front of it because America exports itself as, as the cultural norm, as the center of the universe because of its economic and political ideals and strength. And, and I think the day that people start voting for K-pop artists in mainstream songs, that's when, like, you know, or in mainstream awards, uh, which there's been a growing push to do so, that's when you know that, like, K-culture or East Asian culture or whatever has started to actually emerge as somewhat of a counterbalance, counterweight to the American influence. Definitely. I agree with it. And I think, you know, now there is a K in front of it, but if this continues in the way that it started there's not going to be K in front of it anymore. Maybe they will, there will, but it will be symbolic and it will not signify Korea. It will be just like a branding thing, like Hollywood mm -hmm. maybe, or something like that, you know, the Hollywood sign. <laughs> yeah. And as we were saying before, as I was saying, a lot of these Korean beauty standards have already entered East Asia. Like it's not a K thing anymore. Like you have Chinese celebrities, Taiwanese celebrities, and you know, everyone around this area who will, get Korean clothing or have Korean fashion or whatever it is. And it's, I would say that K-pop or K or this Hallyu wave has really taken root in East Asia. And it's done a pretty good job of taking root in Southeast Asia to the point where I think at the very least, when you talk about Hallyu, it is reflective of East Asia at the very least, I would say. And thus, the K in front of it becomes less and less important, as you said. Yeah, because uh, K-pop and K-drama has even influenced a lot of people in different countries to start consuming Chinese content and Japanese and things like that. And people who have never seen anime or read mangas and things like that, uh, when they started getting into K-pop, they will probably start getting into anime as well. Or mm. maybe, you know, like reading mangas or watching like Chinese, they're like Chinese BL videos, movies. I don't know what that is mm -hmm. necessarily, but I know a lot of girls in Bosnia love it, like younger girls. Well, so what's BL? I don't know what BL is. I think it signifies boy love, but I don't know. I'm, I'm not sure. I just know that my younger sister is obsessed with it. <laughs> okay, so is it just boy, boy love as in like it's about gay Chinese men or it's about... Uh, like Chinese men who, or girls, Chinese girls who love Chinese men? Like, do you know? I've never heard of BL before. Yeah, so BL is like yaoi. <laughs> it's Japanese sort of um, mm -hmm. gay inspired. I wouldn't say it's like LGBT mainstreaming kind of content, but it's gay inspired mm -hmm. uh, love stories and, you know, mangas, animes and stuff like that. And this, these dramas, mm. they're basically like romantic dramas about boy love, 
but they're not inherently like sexual mm-hmm. and you never know what's going on in them. You don't know, is it like for real? Is it not mm-hmm. for real? But it feeds into the culture of shipping, you know, and things like that. It's all connected. Mm, so, okay. yeah, um, I think with the rise of shipping from K-pop, this grew as well. So I would first see, you know, young girls mm, starting to ship members from different bands and then they start watching BL dramas. Wow. Okay. That's a weird gateway drug, but you know, here we are 2021. <laughs> um, can, can I ask um, a, a few more things um, just to, you know, obviously to keep with the how you topic, is this simply just a product of economic shifts in power? Is that really what this is? Uh, fundamentally what we're seeing this cultural output from Korea is just because the economies of you know China, Japan, and, and Korea, if combined together, would be larger than the EU? I think no. I think it's not. I think K-pop and the influence of Asian culture now happening, it um, it is connected to the economic growth and you know to them being like big these days and things like that. But um, I think it's much more cultural mainstreaming so it's looking ahead and looking to wherever we're going i think this is the perspective like wherever we're going and we want economic growth and we want you know to be ranked well in the world and things like that and then we also want our culture to not be sort of like ostracized or somewhere behind or we don't want to necessarily just you know, be on the sidelines and have this economic power. We want what America has, I think, you know, and it's not in a bad way, definitely. Mm -hmm. It's just that power comes in different forms. And sometimes it's much stronger when it comes in this form, you know, and everything else follows Mm -hmm. sort of, you know, so you have a lot of people coming now, because I only know about Korea, you have a lot of people coming to Korea, you know, going to study there, there is a lot of tourism. The tourism grew immensely after, you know, the exporting of K-pop. So you have sort of all of the other aspects of growth following this cultural product export, you know. So I think it's sort of like influence and rising power that comes in a bulk. So everything comes together. I definitely agree with that. But maybe if I just take a more contradictory stance or not contradictory, if I take an opposing stance, I would say, but doesn't a lot of this stem from the fact that Korea is, or East Asia is an economic juggernaut? Because if you think about it, like, I'm, I'm sure places like India, for example, or Bangladesh, or Saudi Arabia, want the K-pop influence. They want to have S-pop, you know, Saudi Arabian pop or something like that. But why haven't they been able to achieve this? And to me, whilst economics might not be the only factor, it seems it's one of, if not the driving factor. Because why aren't other places be able to do the same thing? Yeah, and you would wonder why, you know, and why didn't European pop culture and music rank so well in the world? You know, you have just artists like, you know, Adele, One Direction and Amy Winehouse. You have like these moments in history when they get big. But they sort of stop being considered, I don't know what they are, like British and things like that. They just sort of get into this mainstream. And I think for 
East Asian content, mm. you know, you can't really get them to, they're trying to, but you can't get them to just start, you know, being considered American. And you have to do mm. sort of your own thing. And when it comes to this economic uh, power that's behind it, I think um, why other countries, why India, for example, hasn't exported Bollywood as well as Korea has K-pop, it's, I think, because it hasn't been the main goal, you know, and as for uh, K-pop and K-industry, for them, you know, it's a very, very specific approach to creating content. It's very specific approach to aesthetics, uh, to content that you create. So it's organized, it's structured, and it's not, you know, like just creating and exporting. You know, it's not artists just creating things. It's an industry which is very focused on doing the right thing all the time, you know, and you have to do it all the, all the time. Mm. And for them, you know, it's the exporting of K-pop has been one of the major goals when it started. That's the most important thing. The entire start of K-pop has happened, you know, right after like the economic crisis, the bankruptcy, the bad image that Korea had and things like that. So um, K-pop has been uh, created to serve as a tool to economic growth, to cultural, you know, creating a better image and things like that. So it has been the main goal and that's why they're reaching it. I mean, throughout these years, you know, it's not something that's behind K-pop that's making it so big now or behind the K-industry. It's just the fact that it has been one of the main goals, you know, that's what I think personally. Mm -hmm. And um, I think why that goal is happening, why do they have that goal? Because of economic growth, because they want to rank well in the cultural sphere and things like that. Yeah, that's probably the reason why they have, you know, why they made it happen. And uh, this might lead on to my next question, which is uh, for a while, in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, Japan was an economic juggernaut. But I never saw Japanese media permeate the West in the same way. Now, this might be because of things like technology. I think that the internet has just become such a good distributor of media or, or uh, cultural fads or con cultural trends. So are you arguing that part of the reason why anime and manga was a little more obscure than, for example, parasite which is just like everywhere uh, to the point where when when my school wanted to come up with like a halloween mufti day which is like recently they used a picture of parasite because I, I don't even know why like why were they using a picture of parasite anyway um so are you saying japan not being able to export anime or matcha tea or something to the rest of the world in the same way that mukbangs or uh bts has been exported that is a government decision and that is backed by maybe politicians making certain legislations in order to help this industry grow okay so why has korea done it i think um it has to do with technology a lot definitely uh because it's rising in the times where the information is being shared so quickly and even before there was internet you know but um right now it's stronger than ever and everyone is sharing content rapidly 
So when you mentioned Gangnam Style some time ago, um, Gangnam Style became a trend on YouTube. And then, you know, YouTube was really big and like everything that trended on it, you know, it's it's become huge and people started looking into it and things like that. So I think as for Japan, it started, you know, putting out the influence much, much sooner than Korea. But uh, what it also did is it sort of placed their content as something that is inherently Japanese. And then people from, you know, all around the world, when they got into it, when they became fans and stuff like that, they sort of started being becoming a part of this subculture and they started being identified with, you know, I don't know the exact word, like otaku, uh, is it that is that word, <laughs> right? Yeah, otaku works. Um, you hear weeb a lot as well. Weeb, or weeaboo. yeah, and things like that. So in the beginning, I think it was otaku. Now there's Korea boo, weeboo, all kinds of boos. Um, so yeah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, what it actually means is that what Korean pop industry does is it creates content that is really well fitting for the most of the world and i know that a lot of k-pop some of them some of k-pop fans get really excited when they hear this and some don't like to hear about this but a lot of thought is being put out into what the end product looks like you know so it's it's a product so it's huge market analysis it's you know doing wondering what the consumer wants it's you know like doing psychological testing for what color fits best what do people like most how cryptic do they want things to be and things like that and they you know take a lot of from what fans have said before into what they're going to do next so it's not you know like this inherent you know production and the throwing up of the art it's just it's a very specific process that they're doing so I would go back to what I said before that for Korea, it is the main goal, you know, and also when you mentioned the governments, I think the Korean government has supported it so much because they know what it does for them, you know, and the end creators of K-pop are the companies that are behind the rest of the Korean products, you know, so when you get these huge companies and when you get the government that, you know, wants to benefit the companies because they benefit the government as well, you get this huge, you know, cohort and, you know, group of people and, you know, you get this, I don't know how to imagine, I imagine it like a huge group, like a room full of people that are interconnected and they all want the same thing. They have the same goal. So it's like all elements and at all levels, they're doing everything they can to reach that goal, you know, of exporting, making it popular and making it loved. And, you know, then you get with the K-pop follows the makeup industry with the makeup industry follows the film industry and the dramas follow. So whichever product specific product you export, the rest of them will follow as well because it's put so subculturally, you know? So I think, the entire K industry could be viewed as a product and the aspects of it could be viewed as like subcategories of the same product because it all leads, one leads to another, they all lead to each other kind of. So 
I would say again that the fact that the goal is the exporting and the goal is for us to be talking about this, you know, the goal is for you to see it and to want to do a podcast about it. The goal is for groups of young people, I don't know, in Malaysia, in, you know, the US and things like that to scream, to, you know, go on internet, to comment, to become a part of the subculture. So when you have that as the main goal, everyone that's in the country, you know, the private sector, the government sector, everyone is going to be doing whatever they can to get it to happen. So I think that's main the main reason. And I could see the political aspect of Hallyu uh, before my eyes. I, I think I used the third example before when China and Korea had tension and the Chinese government was like, okay, we're going to stop the importing of this culture, which obviously hurt Korea economically. Uh, another example I can think of is when uh, what's when Donald Trump and Ivanka came to South Korea. I, I now I don't really know who this person is, but I remember reading this article of one of the people they brought along to the to the meeting was a K-pop celebrity. Which to me is just ridiculous. So imagine if like Putin and you know Merkel were meeting, and then they bring actually let's not use Merkel or let's just use like uh, Ber, um, not Bernie, um, Joe Biden. So P- Putin and Biden are meeting, and then they bring <laughs> Oprah like along, or they bring Justin Bieber, or they bring Jay Z. Like it's just it's just so absurd. Um, but it happened, and I saw this, you know, very handsome guy talking to Ivanka. I still don't know who he is, but just from the comments, like he was a K-pop guy, and that is, in a way, it's almost using the soft power of Korea in a political sphere. Like the fact that this person is this important, he gets brought to like interactions with world leaders that's crazy to me yeah and i mean we have to understand the fact that they're the faces of korea like if you had a company you would have a person representing it you know and there are a lot of politicians a lot of you know people working in the government and stuff like that and they make the decisions but the faces of the country and the culture are the k-pop k-drama stars and other similar people so when you see them in places that you think, oh, they shouldn't be here, you know, they should because they're sort of like the PR of the country. And it's very important for yeah. them what they show, what they put out. And it's one of the main prides also. So you would like put one of your most successful, you know, products or I don't know, individuals next to you when you're in that kind of a meeting, you know, so it's mm. it's a very strategic and a very smart move i would say you know it's not just like oh yeah he's so big he came to the meeting he probably doesn't have much to add you know <laughs> <laughs> I, I don't think he was discussing it like with them like <laughs> no definitely not but you know what you know what it did it got a lot of people searching on youtube that person oh you know trump meets that person like and there you go you have the face of korea like in a way these celebrities are like moving human Korean flags. Like they just represent the country and you just bring them along because they're just an icon of the country and what the country potentially can do um, economically or culturally. 
Yeah, that's what they are. And I mean, when you have America and other countries like from the Western part, but it's mainly the U.S., they don't have to do that because even their politicians are like pop celebrities. We all know them, you know? So it's Mm. when I see Mm -hmm. Donald Trump, I know who that is. When I see Joe Biden, Bernie Sanders, whoever, we're constantly seeing all this content because it's like put as if it is relevant to us. We see these people and like Donald Trump Mm -hmm. himself is a celebrity. Like when you think about it, at that meeting, what was the difference between Donald Trump and the pop star, you know, because American even... Yeah, American politicians are pop stars themselves, you know. So if when you get Korean government meeting Mm. them, they have to bring a pop star as well, too. Because, you know, we're not we're not coming to the meeting without one. (laughs) So it definitely makes sense Mm. when you look at it that way. And what do the Koreans think about Hallyu? Do they think it's crazy? Because once again, maybe I'm just showing my own ignorance. To me, this has really caught me off guard because I just I just couldn't. I had no idea that this was brewing even like 10 years ago. So do Koreans uh, feel strange that there's so much media attention on their country or are they proud? Are they a little shocked? How do they feel about how? Yeah. So while I lived in Seoul, uh, I had two distinct groups that I spend time with, you know, when it comes to the demographic and First, it was mostly older people. When I say older people, I mean people who are today between 40 and 55, you know? So I got to meet mm-hmm. a lot of those people, and that's the people I spent most time with. And then I spent a lot of people with, young, you know, young people. I spent a lot of time with them. And there was like a mixture of foreigners and Koreans. And when you get to the younger people, most of them actually are fans of k-pop as well you know so they like american pop culture they're like korean pop culture that's for them you know they like their bands they they like their musicians dramas and things like that it's just normal content for them and they also like i mean they like the fact that it's popular everywhere you know when you get to the older people it gets a bit weirder because um they sometimes know a few bands or things like that, but they're not fans. They don't under, it's like youth thing, you know? So they get this weird feeling about it. You know, they don't necessarily understand what is happening. And a lot of them actually don't know that the, the Korea has such a huge influence outside of Korea, you know? And that was weird for me. I thought like, yeah, everyone knows how big they are, you know, when I mention, I don't know, Big Bang, Super Junior, all of these bands, BTS and things like that. Everyone will know that it's so popular around the world, but sometimes people get surprised. They're like, oh, really? Like, people actually listen to that? You know, they're just fascinated because of the fact that it's popular everywhere. And I get, I come from some country at the other part of the world and some other girl comes from a country at the different part of the world and we both know these things sometimes it's strange for them i don't think uh they understand how big it is really like just general population you know and youth i think now i think youth has been sharing content for a while like you know people like american culture pop culture whatever is 
happening, whatever is hot at the moment. They like the same things. So they just, you know, get into it and talk about it and stuff like that. But um, it really uh, has been strange for me to see how many people don't understand why all of these foreigners are in Korea, why people are like learning Korean all the time. Why is everyone coming so often? I even got like, um, I lived in a hostel and the boss, like the owner of the hostel, he sort of, I wouldn't say he exploited it, but he sort of took advantage of the fact that there were a lot of foreigners coming and he sort of, he worked, he had a lot of workawayers and people who worked for, you know, lodging and things like that. And he had a lot of people who are just K-pop fans. They're there because of K-pop, K-dramas and things like that. And he sort of like, well, thought, okay, these people love this. For some reason, they're into Korea, the language and things like that. And they will do anything to stay here. So he started sort of, you know, basically using them to work. (laughs) (laughs) You know, and I mean, that was one specific case, but it was really interesting because all of these young people were there just because of that, you know. And then afterwards, they sort of, they understand the culture and they start liking the customs and things like that. But it started and stemmed from K-pop and K-drama. So that was one of the most interesting things, you know. That's, it really is just shocking how how much influence this, like, relatively small country has. And you know how before you said that, uh, Korea has similarities to your country when you say that it's like being somewhat overshadowed by its neighbors just because of the size of the the economy. It really feels like Korea is, or it not even really feel like it, it has completely dominated the East Asian sphere in terms of soft power, like to an extent that I just didn't think was possible even 10 years ago. Um, and even recently with the explo- like everyone was talking about it to the point where like I haven't even watched finished watching it because I feel like I've already absorbed the story through just being on the internet but Squid Game that was ridiculous like I don't know what happened to the internet for like 2 weeks it was just everywhere you could not stop hearing about it there was so many like jokes about it in in, in images and stuff like that so it to me it's as you know I'm not Korean and I don't live in Korea it really surprises me how quickly it's caught on. Um, and I guess I'll, you know, segue to another question. What do you think the future of Hallyu is? And do you think there is an, anything, you know, in the foreseeable future, you know, just make a prediction that that might hinder or restrict the growth of this industry? I'm going to start the question. I'll start the answer with this. In 2015... Uh, because I was starting to get obsessed with all of these things, uh, I organized a huge K-pop, K-drama exhibit. Exhibit? To sort of, yeah, like exhibit. it was a multi multimedia exhibit at a huge space that was made for like introducing people to Korean pop culture. And what happened then is I thought that there was going to be a few people that, you know, come and see what what's happening and things like that but actually it was a huge turnout and a lot of these young people came and they say they were fans of korean culture and things like that and at that moment bts just started 
and they were like starting to get big and it wasn't such a huge trend as it is today. And then we talked about what's going to happen in the future. And a lot of people thought that it's going to be the same path that anime and manga and things like that took. You know, it's going to be sort of like a subculture that stays on the sidelines. It is huge. It has a huge following, but it is something alternative, you know. And um, I said something in the terms of, I think what they're creating is not meant to stay on the sidelines and it's meant to do what is doing to us right now. So fast forward to like 2020, we had this BTS um, film premiere and there are like thousands of people in the street just waiting to get into one cinema and waiting for like different hours where they can get in and chanting like, Bang tan, son yon tan, bang tan, son yon tan, and things like that. It was really strange, but I was in my house and I sort of heard it from my window. What what does that chant actually mean, by the way? It, it's the full name of the band, <laughs> literally. BTS is bang tan, son yon tan, um, and basically, I was on my window and I started like crying, literally. Because some time has passed from that exhibit and everything we talked about. And I was like, is it actually happening? I cannot believe it. It was like, you know, when a prophecy <laughs> comes to life, it's really weird. So, yeah, um, I feel the same way now. I feel like it's going to get even bigger and bigger, but it's going to stop being so subcultural it's going to stop being like k-pop even now you get squid game and you wouldn't say it's k industry you wouldn't you know connect it to that you would say oh it's just squid game it's an amazing you know series and things like that so i think it's going to become more and more mainstream and up to the point where it's going to be almost as big as america got after like 90s and 2000s and I think it also will do a huge thing for the world that we're not well aware of yet, but it's doing it right now. It is opening the doors to international and intercultural content around the globe. So when you get Korean language that a lot of people don't know and they're listening to it, it's on the radio, it's in the supermarkets and things like that, it is sort of inevitably starting a movement of other countries either trying to do the same thing or accidentally getting hits and things like that. So I I would say I foresee a future that is very international in terms of pop culture in a way where it will not only be Korean language and K-pop, but it will be many more languages. And it will just become much more normal to us yeah, so I see the future as being much more international. And that is in part thanks to K-pop and the K-industry. So I imagine, you know, going to the supermarket and hearing American songs, of course, but also Korean, also, I don't know, Nigerian, French, all kinds of content. Because I think what the Korean industry has done maybe inadvertently, but they have opened the world's eyes to the content that is not their own and that is not American. 
So I think it's really important uh, that we all just go with the flow, sort of, because it's happening now already. I don't know if you know about like the colors show, and it mainstreams a lot the of artists. Show. Yeah, colors. It's like. Is that the YouTube um, show? It is on YouTube. It is like a music show, and they mainstream a lot of alternative artists, and a lot of them are from different countries all around the world, and a lot of the songs are in different languages. So I think uh, with the rise of K-pop, a lot of international music from other countries has risen as well, and people are starting to get more interested in watching you know tv shows and films in different languages i think there's also been articles about that like how the american public uh has started to watch you know more content that is not in english uh and i think it's becoming really popular this entire international pop culture consuming and i think k industry has been a huge part of it because we're getting accustomed to uh, hearing things in different languages. I think that's one of the main things that this is doing. I don't think people understand how important language is in our everyday life and how easy it, uh, it is for us to absorb something and you know start thinking of it as normal. And I think also it helps bring this international intercultural perspective into the world where we are not creating our value systems and our aesthetic systems and ideas only based on American Western culture. And I think this is opening the door to so many possibilities. And I think, you know, Korean industry is going to get bigger and is going to get much more mainstream and normal, like the Squid Game has shown. But I think it will also be a door to the rest of the world showing what they have as well. Maybe not, you know, at the same extent, but uh, definitely I think we'll be hearing much more songs and many more songs in different languages and watching a lot more content that is not in our own language and doesn't show our own culture. Uh, yeah, I've just got some responses to that. Uh, I'm not sure if you know this quote from Bong Joon-ho after he won the uh, the Oscars at the at, uh, for Parasite. And he... Or his translator said something about how subtitles were really just a one-inch barrier. And taking this concept of subtitles, uh, because Squid Game was just so popular, even in my workplace where some of the other people I work with, I wouldn't say they're necessarily like the quote-unquote target demographic for for K-pop or this Hallyu wave, because a lot of them are older, they have children, so it, this isn't really like the demographic that they're going for. But... I just overheard this conversation where this person, this other teacher asked this uh, other teacher, like, hey, have you watched Squid Game? And then the the answer was, yes, I have. And then the other question was, did you watch it in English or did you watch it with subtitles? And what's interesting is the teacher responded with, like, of course I watched it in subtitles. Like, how could, how could you even suggest that I would do otherwise? And I think if we had this same conversation 20 years ago, like if we could reverse the clock and go back to 2001, I don't think that's how this conversation would have played out. So apart from really promoting Korea, I think, and I agree with you, the Hallyu wave has almost killed the monolith of very American-centric media. 
and it's opened the way obviously for Korea. And right now I'm just singing, basically repeating what you said, but it, it will open the door for the rest of the world because this idea of like global languages or, or global culture and not it not just being rooted in a single economic or cultural hegemon. Hi everyone. So this is the end of episode 11 where Uma and I look at Hallyu as a larger force, one that has political and cultural consequences to it. So in the next episode, we look at Hallyu on a more personal level, one that touches on topics like fetishization, and we examine how media is so powerful in changing what we see as beautiful or ugly, and the deep personal consequences that has on me and people around us. And I hope that you will come and join us. So thank you very much once again, and I hope to see you soon.